Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play Podcast, and this is going to be our episode number 50. My name's David, and I'll be joined as usual by my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers, Alan, Darren and Mark. If you're not familiar with these shows, what we do is we pick up a theme, and then based on that theme we come up with four choices to go with it. And this evening we're going to be choosing four memorable gigs. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome everyone, here we go, episode number 50, we made it. Woohoo! Um, yeah! <laughs> Congratulations! Just under yeah. war. <laughs> so, joined this evening by uh, Darren. How are you doing, Darren? Good evening, yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, you? Yeah, doing alright, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, doing fine. Excellent. Um, recovered from uh, Record Store Day last week and a couple of games of rugby at Twickenham as well, so that was good. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't do the record store day, couldn't do the HMV day, but you guys helped me out. So thanks for that. That was brilliant. Um, and one gig I can talk about that I've seen in the last week or two that didn't make it into the list tonight was Yes. Oh, um, really? Not a band, obviously, as I think people who listen to this podcast quite a lot know that um, I'm not one of the prog rockers, really. That's you, <laughs> two of you anyway, or one of you in particular. But they were really, really good. Um. Steve Howe was 75 years old and up there, giving it large like a rock star, like he is. Um, musicianship was superb. So I'm glad I went. And that was in a little tiny venue, what tiny venue, a few hundred people in Tavistock, before they've gone off playing massive venues around the country for a couple of weeks. So really pleased with that. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. I love The Wolf. That's a great little venue. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, I've seen a few things there now. Wolf Alice I saw there before they became massive. They did a warm-up there. and Yeah, lovely venue. If you get a chance to go to Tavistock, check out the wharf. Smashing stuff. And Alan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, David. Um, it's been one of those days day where you have your car serviced and MOT. Ah. You end up <laughs> Sorry. spending more money than you really wanted to. Uh, yeah, but there we go. Um, but yeah, I've been to a gig um, at the weekend. Uh, again, it was one of these that was put off from um, you know due to COVID. So it was the it was Simple Minds uh, forty years of hits tour at Lennon Palace. Oh wow! Supported by Deacon Blue and a band I hadn't heard before called Caesar, um, but they're actually guys from the Silences. Oh, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners might remember. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's month after the absolute uh, fantastic temperatures we had last week. It was monsoon weather oh. on Saturday, and I've never got so wet in my life. Um, but yeah, it was, it was still a great gig, and um, yeah, all the bands and Deacon Blue were brilliant. I could easily have listened to them for another an hour oh. uh, so they were great and um, fortunately because of the train strikes and uh, underground uh, strike on Tuesday myself and Charlotte my daughter were due to go and see a band who we've seen before called Gabriel's um, yeah. and unfortunately we just because of the you know the, the, the train strikes and that we just couldn't go so couldn't oh. risk it it was in central London well Camden town so that was a shame, but uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, they're going to be supporting Elton John um, oh, wow. in a few weeks, so they're, they're pretty good. Uh, I'd never really yeah. heard of them until today. It came up at work today, weirdly. Yeah. 
I'll have a little listen, but yeah. Yeah. That's probably very solely, very soulful, aren't they? They are. I mean, the guy, um, the guy, uh, he was on American Idol. Mm. Uh, originally, I think he won American Idol. Uh, but okay. uh, anyway, so yeah. Yeah. That's good. Nice. Okay. Alan's just had a, a little freeze there. So. The MO stroke service, stroke, getting me right. Okay, you're you're there now. Um, can see you. Uh, no, I'm just, I, I was just gonna. Sh I was smiling when you were talking about getting drenched in simple minds, and we saw yeah. them in uh, the early '90s in the Black Forest in in Germany, and we got completely yeah. dumped on by the rain. And more than that, there was it was behind the stage. There was a fantastic thunderstorm um, and and lightning, and uh, they just yeah. carried on. No health and safety in those days. You know, that's reminded me of something as well. I went to see Suzanne Vega down at the Minac, right. um, an open-air theatre in Cornwall, for those yeah. who don't know. And um, again, the, the heavens open, thunder, lightning, and you're looking over into the ocean, but she wouldn't come out. She was a bit of a wuss. So it got <laughs> yeah. soaking wet, and that got cancelled, and we drove all the way home. But... I must say, it was it was one of those moments when uh, Dig and Blue sang Rain Town. Oh, oh class. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, then Simple Minds came on and it's uh, come in, come out of the waterfront, come in, come out of the rain. Brilliant, it seemed like every other track had the word water in it. Yeah. Fair play, fair play. Excellent. Thank you for that. And Mark, how are you doing? Good, sir. You had a bit of a, bit of a gig to go to. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've had, uh, well, I've got a few lined up and uh, the Eagles were here last night. Um, you could hear them from Glasgow. Uh, the gig that I would love to talk about, though, is um, Queen and Adam Lambert. Uh, I went with my uh, second BFF, uh, not my BFF, my second BFF. Um, I've, I've known the chap since I was seven. Um, just had a great time. It was it was just like um, going back in time, imagining you were there in '86 at Wembley. <laughs> it, was, uh -huh. it was actually very emotional, and. Um, May and Taylor slowed up a wee bit with the drums. May is just sublime, and Adam Lambert is has been sent by Mercury himself. The stage was the staging wow. and the, the the lighting, absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. you know, bicycle race. He he played on the back of a Harley, you know, <laughs> circling around. It was completely bombastic, ridiculously bombastic, and. Mean. People of all ages, from early teens into their eighties, and um, what what was so funny was this guy came down at the end of it, and I was just sitting there. I was so so emotional, and uh, this guy came down, didn't know him from Adam, and he said, "You really really enjoyed tonight, didn't you?" <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, "Yes, I did. I did. I, it was uh, yeah." And I, I've got a couple of gigs coming up, um, Deacon Blue uh, at, at Edinburgh Castle and uh, texas as well so really looking forward to that and then i've got christy moore for about the 35th time in my life nice. um he's playing arma in october but i'm sure i'll get a few other gigs in between them and um, there's just what's what's great about you know okay COVID is still with us but and how we all kicked us off back in the day but uh things are opening up and you know you get to go to gigs and it's just brilliant it, it, it really it's such a um 
it's such a lift to the spirits Brilliant. getting out there and being amongst whether it's 15,000 people or 70,000 people. It's great. Yeah. And I'm glad we're covering this one tonight. Because it was well, really, really tough. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, on a... Alan, sorry, you've got oh, great, great, you know, the rain coming down. And um, because I, when I go to concerts, I, I, I sing every word if I know the song. I will sing yeah. and shout every word. And my wife, Julie, said, Don't you dare, don't you dare. <laughs> and uh, because of the rain, and, and people didn't give a toss, I was just <laughs> screaming and shouting. I think the bloke behind me um, was doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, it was great. Um, but oh god, I've never got so wet in my life. Yeah. The drive home is not fun, then, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. How about That's you, David? What have you been up to? Yeah. Yeah, no, very quiet on the on the music on the gigs front. I haven't done so much recently. So, um, and I did have one for tomorrow, which was Terry Reed over the road. But unfortunately, he's taken a a better offer to go and play at Glastonbury. Um, but I did a whole bunch of gigs. You make it sound like one of your neighbours, Terry Reed over the road. <laughs> well, it kind of is just that. We've we've also yeah. got we've also got um, our friend Brooksy. His his uh, cor his choir's playing over there on uh, the first of July. Oh, cool! On there. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I think I've only got a couple of gigs coming up at the moment. Only one more gig planned this year at the moment, apart from the uh, festival in in Iceland. When I should see Mr. Oh, Hollywood. Oh yeah, it's going to be so so much fun. Really? I, I am really looking forward to that. So that's the first till the sixth of November. Yeah, yeah, I think it's have, it's three days. Have you, have you booked our private suite at the Blue Lagoon? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about the Blue Lagoon. Don't know if I share the water with that many people. <laughs> Do you know? I've I've, I've been. Uh, it'll be nine years ago now. And it was incredible. And um, I remember um, booking a, a massage. You know, you get a massage on a floating mat at the Blue Lagoon. And um, obviously expecting this beautiful blonde. And it was a beautiful blonde. Just happened to be male, though. Um, he was a very attractive guy. And uh, it made me feel right at home. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a must do. And, and you and I really have to go to it. Okay, let's, well, something for us to talk about. Okay, good stuff, yeah, guys. Yeah. Let's get going. So, um, the, the the selection for this evening is for us to come up with four gigs that mean something to us. Not necessarily our best, our favourite gigs. It's made them memorable. Might be something that happened, people we met, people that we went with, something that happened on stage. So it's a fairly broad remit. And I'm going to ask Darren to kick us off, please. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well. As Mark just alluded to, I think, this was really, really tricky. I think for most of us, just because of the sheer volume of gigs that we went to, go to, you know, maybe more in my younger day, but I still get to quite a few now. And I guess the ones that I've selected tonight did just stand out. They're just things that you remember for reasons that they were amazing or the other reasons that we'll, we'll find out shortly. But I'm going to kick us off with... Um, one of my favourite bands, I've banged on about them a few times. Uh, probably not the ob most obvious one, though. So I'm going to take you back to a small venue in Exeter called the Lemon Grove. It's part of Exeter University. This is October the 5th, 1992. 
just after the release of their debut album, they just played other places. They just played in Taunton, Aldershot, and the Gurok Bay Hotel in Scotland. So they were really, they were just kicking off um, their careers, really, or the year before they really started. Um, this is a band called Demonic Street Preachers. It was their Generation Terrorist tour. So really early days. Uh, they played, they, they kicked off at the time with Slash and Burn, played things like Motorcycle Emptiness, You Love Us, Repeat, all the brilliant now classic songs from the album. Um, I guess apart from a gig being amazing, um, and we didn't realise at the time that Nicky Wire couldn't really play the bass, Richie <laughs> Edwards couldn't really play guitar. Um, it was mainly James Dean Bradfield and Sean Moore carrying it. They were the band, really. And the rest learned to play their instruments as they went on over the next couple of years. Um, Richie, I think, bless him, always had a bit of a complex that he wasn't good enough. But um, they all looked the part, and that was the big thing about it. Um, and I was, what was I then, 20? So me and I remember me and my mate Stolly went backstage afterwards, and they, they were just hanging around. Um, Richie, I remember chatting to Richie when he was on Space Invaders or something, one of the machines back there. And I've still got my signed record, signed by all the band. And this was about, it was about a year after Richie had, um, I don't know if you remember, but he carved the words for real into his arm. Yeah. Um, when he was being interviewed by Steve Lamack. Yeah, um, the enemy, think, yeah. Yeah. I think Steve Lamack questioned how serious he was about his art, and that was Richie's answer. Um, obviously, struggling with sort of mental illness at the time, I would imagine, before his disappearance. But they were lovely guys. They're happy to sign. I've got four 12-inch singles signed by them all, which are absolutely prized. I've had big offers for them, but they're going nowhere. Um, and this tour, I saw them a couple of weeks later at Cardiff Uni as well, where they actually did they did 11 songs in Exeter. They did 14 songs um, in the gig in Cardiff, including a cover of The Clash. They did What's My Name by The Clash. Um, they were also, at the time, a band called Kinky Machine supported them quite a lot. And Kinky Machine at the time, mine and Stolly's, one of our favourite bands. And we ended up becoming quite friendly with the band and started to chill in their dressing room and they'd offer us a beer. We'd go, oh, all right then. So we'd sit and have a beer with Kinky Machine. And then the Manics would just occasionally pop their heads in the door. And it almost felt like we were kind of their roadies. So it was a, it was a good time. Uh, and then we saw them. They played in Torquay, I think, a few months later. But somehow I didn't go to that one that I remember. And then I saw them in Reading Festival as well that year, all in 92. So absolutely brilliant. They're oh. just a brilliant live band. I saw them uh, last year or so in the kind of um, when things started to open up after COVID before they, they all closed again. Um, that was up in Bournemouth, I think I saw that. And took my son, who loves them as well. So they're still generating new fans. But when you see them these days, it's just like um, a great, it's greatest hits, and they're all classics. Um, so I've gone with that. They came back to Exeter in '96, and I saw them there again. But that gig in '92, absolutely stunning. So Manic Street Preachers, Generation Terrorist tour. Very good. Fantastic. And for all those people listening in Scotland, Gurok is near yeah. Gurok. Is near Gurok. <laughs> <laughs> I've just offended the whole of Scotland, though. 
No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so the Gurek they hate. You folk yeah. from Englandshire, you know. <laughs> well, I saw that on the toilet on the on the list. I thought I've got to put that put that in for Mark and pronounce it really badly. Uh, <laughs> accomplished. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's amazing. Yeah, amazing the people. Uh, I'll not detract from uh, the Monarch Street preachers. That's brilliant. I'd love to see them live. I really would. Um, yeah, they, even now they're worth it. They're so good. Yeah. They lost a lot of the energy, obviously, you know, as we all do. But um, but the music's brilliant, and they play it so well. So what yeah, they lose in that kind of raw power and energy, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. yeah. So like ninety two. That's I mean that's thirty odd years. You, you, that's well, it's thirty years, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And you think to yourself, my God, that seems like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, and like bands, bands like Queen. Uh, and even the, the the guys who were at Murrayfield last night, the Eagles, fifty years on the go, crazy. Yeah, I'll just show it off. Right. Fine records. That's Richie's signature. Oh, I like that. Before his horrible disappearance. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, I saw. I think I first saw them. Obviously, they're a Welsh band. I'm Welsh. Yeah, they're probably the best Welsh band ever. Oh, contentious. Yeah. I'd agree. Oh, I'd, I'd say one of the Welsh, the best Welsh bands ever. Yeah. And I think I support saw saw them first supporting um, Simple Minds at uh, Cardiff Arms Park, as it was called then. Yeah. Um, in Cardiff, um, nineteen eighty nine, maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, they were great, and uh, Richie was still with them then, obviously, I think. Yeah, 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 he was, yeah. Um, and then I've seen him twice since at um, uh, Radio 2 in the Park. Oh, uh, cool, yeah. Yeah, really great. Well, they, obviously, they play their, their, they always play their, their greatest hits these days. Um, but then they're... they're 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 great great ambassadors they're, they're you know they're great uh, for wales they always fly the flag when you go to see them they'll be well you know the um, welsh flag draped over the speakers uh their amps and speakers and that and uh both of both the lads uh sadly i mean sean sean seems to take a bit of a back 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 step really but the other lads they're very much um, always in the limelight, and uh, they went to a couple of not too long ago. Nicky Wire, yeah, uh, had a um, he's a, he's a big photographer. If you follow the manics, you know he's big into Polaroids. He's yeah. taking Polaroid pictures since he was a very young lad, and he's very um, he's got a big uh, affinity with the town that I was born in, Tembe. Tembe. In, in West Wales, yeah. and um, yeah, in, in fact, he owns a property there. And yeah, a couple of years ago, he had a, a showing at the um, <laughs> at the uh, at the uh, at the museum of his pictures and uh, paintings, and and, uh, and I was lucky enough to go and see it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great band, and um, this is oh, yeah, one of the books over here, yeah. Death of a Polaroid. Yeah, yeah. Art, all of his Polaroid art. Yeah, but I think yeah. the actual, yeah, probably I saw some wow. of the originals that are in there. Yeah, yeah, you would have done. 
Yeah, he's documented the band from the really early days, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. But uh, yeah, uh, great band. <coughs> yeah. There you go. That's my first one. Anyone else? Nice. I've seen them. No, no, I've never seen them. I've never seen them. I've seen another great, even better Welsh band. But, uh, That's oh, right. He, 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 he might have just slipped into my top four. But, or uh, Goldie looking chain, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not the latter. I'll tell you. Catatonia. Catatonia, yeah. yeah. Fairy Animals, good band. Yeah. No. For such a small country, um, Wales has produced some mighty fine um, artists. Yeah. Tom Jones. Yeah, he, played, he played around sure. there last night, Tom Jones. <laughs> Corman, I think. He, uh, well, he, he was supporting a... the man. He was supporting the... Stereophonics. Stereophonics, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He made a surprise appearance on stage with the Stereophonics. Nice touch. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's, let's move on then. So, Alan... What's your first one you're going to give us? Um, I'm Chuck going. Berry, 1955. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when we started this, and we said it was going to be memorable gigs, I thought, well, memorable, I don't know. I think the memorable, you know, for going and see, maybe seeing the band for the first time, things like that. People won't be interested in things like that. But, um, so I've gone with my first... What can I say? My first outdoor right. experience, let's call it. What, what about um, the music, still, Alan? Hmm? Stick to the music. No, 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 no. I'm, I've gone off uh, <laughs> for today. Now, um, it was, yeah, my first ever outside gig. And it was probably the first ever, I think it was the first ever gig at this particular place which has now been uh gone on to see loads and loads of bands at this place and uh, it's, it's probably somewhere you guys have never been but it's a venue very close to where i currently live but i didn't at the time i was living in central london this was around july 1980 and um what we had to do is uh start off in say getting a train out of um what it would have been King's Cross, uh, St. Pancras, something like that. And then you got so far off the train, then you have to get on a bus to take you to the venue. So you're in the middle of middle of nowhere. So eventually you get to um, a massive field in Milton Keynes. And um, I was with my uh, Julie, who's now my wife. And I was also with uh, my best friend, Andrew Minchin, who actually went on to become my uh, my best man. And also we went with a, actually a, a Welsh, lovely Welsh lady called Debbie Giles. And the connection here is that we were all living in London at the time, working for NetWest Bank. So anyway, we set off um, on this gig and uh, say so it was, it was, the, the, they coined the, this gig Regatta de Bowl. So that might give you a clue as to who was maybe headlining this. Yeah. Um, uh, but as I say, you, 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 you basically ended up, you went on a train journey, you got off the train, 
then there's all these buses lined up. So you lined up and you went on the, got on these double decker bus, double decker buses. Um, and um, and eventually you, you turned up and you arrived at this big field. And um, I thought, well, this doesn't really look like a bowl. But, you know, eventually you got in and you got down and you walked inside and it is a bloody big field, but it's in the shape of a bowl. And um, let's just think who was on that. Uh, I started off with a band with a guy called um, Klaus Nomai. Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I did find up buying his album. Uh, but this guy is like, um, he's got a white face with like pointy hair and his music is kind of electronic and it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, Mixed Upward. between craft work and uh, maybe um, I don't know, sparks. Yeah, that that's actually a good description. That's a good description. Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so he comes on and that was great. And um, and then who who, who was next? Uh, was, I think it was um, Tom Robert, the Tom Robinson band. So you remember going back, he had a um, big hit called 246 State Motorway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, obviously, Tom, if you don't know much about him, he's, he's gay. Uh, he's very much into um, like um, rock against racism and things like that. And he had, some, he had a couple of cracking albums coming out in 78 and 79. And so it was good, good to see him live. He was really, really good. And of course, um, you know, in years to come in the future, he's become a very good, you know, DJ himself. On uh, um, he's still going, still playing live. Uh, so that was good to see. And um, and who was on next? I think it was uh, Squeeze. So again, Squeeze. You know, Jules oh, Holland. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Household name now, but. Um, yeah. But you know, Dipper and Tilbrook, they're great songwriters. And I think they were, again, they were just spewing out, you know, their, their hits at the time, you know. Um, um, you know the, up the Junction and Cool for Cats and um, what else was there? The, the, the singing Muscles from a Shell, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so great. Um, but um, they, they, they were, it was a really great atmosphere. And then it started drizzling. And uh, the next band came on. Um, again, they were, you know, big at the time, 1980. They just released their, an album called Signing Off. Uh, reggae, English reggae band called UB40. Again, they, you know, they're not, this is the early days for these guys, for all these bands, really. And uh, you know they were great, and um, and then, then then the rain really did start coming down. And uh, the lit that you know the the, the main band uh, playing uh, was the Police, uh, and that was actually the second time I was going to see them. Although um, uh, you know only just arrived in London in like the January to you know to work for Nowest Bank. I'd actually seen the police in '78 in um, in Swansea, and um, and then 
So that they were great. I mean, they just played everything off um, the first two albums. Uh, it was brilliant. Sting, great voice, and and it was only a couple of months later that I actually realised that he was living across the road from me in where I was living in Bayswater. Yeah, that's really odd. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know that, but yeah, it was great. Got a lovely T-shirt. Uh, still, I don't know where he is now, but it was a regatta de bold. It was just like the police, um, what, the second album, uh, regatta de blank. Yeah. Um, and it was a lovely T-shirt. I wore it for years and years. I had the names of the bands on the back as well. Lovely, but it was a great experience. And um, and getting home was like the reverse of going there. You had to go and find By now, it was really torrential rain. Uh, but, you know, we loved it. I can remember people say there was... Oh, we've lost them. Like, uh, people were just diving down into onto this onto this mud, into the... Uh, it was like a sluice in the end, but it was a great experience. <laughs> so we got the... We got the we got the bus back to Bletchley, I think it was, and then got the train back into London. It was brilliant, great, one of those days you'll never forget. And in the meantime, I've, I've been to Milton Keynes on a number of different occasions and seen uh, Simple Minds twice, seen Stranglers, Michael Jackson, Madonna, yeah, all those did bands. You see, that you, did did you get to see Queen in 82 at the Milton Keynes Bowl? No. No, that was one of their best performances. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were absolutely at their peak there. Well, come 86, but I'd love to have seen the police. As you know, they're um, one of my favourite bands of all time. And I think it would have been just amazing. I saw that documentary, you know, the one where the guy followed them on the world tour uh, mm. to, you know, Japan and that. And they just decided to go hell for leather and tour the world in a wonder. <clears throat> One of the first bands to actually do something as crazy as that. It was such a joy to watch everything uh, and and how um, just relaxed and grounded they were, despite the fact they were the biggest band on the planet at the time. Um, I think, okay, Sting, as the front man and as, I mean, the, the genius that he is, even as a solo artist, uh, the other two guys are just so accomplished, aren't they? As well, uh, what's that? Sorry, they're also musically very accomplished. Yeah, oh, the, incredibly the accomplished. Top, yeah, top musicians. Yeah, yeah. Copeland is is one of the best drummers, and almost made it into my band of all time. Um, but that, yeah, that would have been great. I, I've seen Squeeze at the Usher Hall in in um, in Edinburgh, and uh, Tilbrook and and Difford were. Yeah, leading leading it up. Jules Holland wasn't there. Nonetheless, fantastic. No, he, and, he and, doesn't and that's play with is he? No. Yeah, no. But this is this is a few years back. But what, what I would oh, say right. is like this is where Darren and I have missed out so much. You guys would have seen bands in the seventies and eighties that you know we would have given our kidney to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I was similar with Squeeze. I saw Squeeze. Uh, probably only about five years ago, um, we went to watch the Jules Holland, later with Jules Holland being recorded, which yeah. is really weird because you had obviously Jules Holland introducing them, yeah. but not playing with them. But uh, there didn't seem to be any animosity, but <laughs> I'm sure there's something going on there. But... I mean, to be honest, those guys were always the 
I mean, put it like that, but he's, he's, a, he's a, a fantastic keyboard and piano player. Um, and he, you, you can put, and you could say, play this for me, Jules, and he could, he could do it. He could do it. I mean, if you yeah. asked him now, he could play anything. Yeah. But the actual songwriters were, you know, different Tilbrook. Do you, know, do you know who was a massive Squeeze fan? And he used to work with us. Uh, the late, wonderful Ian Blair. Okay, do you remember Ian? He was tragically taken away from us. Ian, Ian was a, a a great guy, big Dundee United fan from Dundee. Huge Squeeze fan. I've never, I've never met... He loved his singing, didn't he, Ian? He did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma was his favourite. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Lovely guy. Lovely man. Guys, I think we need to move it along. We're in for a rec- <laughs> yeah. we're going for a record tonight, I think. Okay. Uh, okay. Mark. Okay, right. So you've asked me my most memorable gigs. Now define memorable. I was gonna stick this one in, but I'm not. And I'll keep it I'll keep it sweet. Uh, Eric Clapton was the most one of the most memorable. However, not the best. And the reason why it was memorable was because he buggered off the stage after um, just over an hour. He hated the acoustics. And uh, it was in the Hydro in Glasgow and decided, just as he started on his old stuff, cocaine, right. oh. boom, away he went. And he left us all. He inspired himself, <laughs> though. What's going on? And then uh, Paul Carrick was was backing him up on vocals, the great Paul Carrick. He came out, sang one song, which was very tongue-in-cheek. It was all about, I think it was a song about just pissing off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, we were all standing there, agog. And you can imagine 15,000, 20,000 irate Scots and, and me amongst them. Uh, there was a demand for the money back, but he was playing a clever game. He never came back, uh, or he played so long, so that your your ticket wasn't refundable. Oh. So you have to play a certain length of time, and then the ticket's non-refundable, which was an absolute disgrace. Anyway, I I digress. My first memorable gig in a good way, and this is not going to be of any surprise to you. I've seen him more times than any other artist, and no one else comes a close second. It's Christy Moore. Now, not to be confused with Chris DeBerg. When I say Christy, Christy Moore, people say, oh, he, he sang the, the Lady in Red. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not sing the Lady in Red. He did do Spanish Train, which is uh, a seriously accomplished album. And I saw Christy for the first time in, oh, the Whitehall Theatre, Dundee, 1994. And um, at the time, he was still he would still stand there on his own on the stage with the guitar and just blast it all out. Uh, he's he's obviously a lot older now. He's about 75 now. Right. And he, he likes to have a wee seat. And he's got backing uh, with Declan Sinnott, a couple of other very, very good guys, including his son, um, who will uh, who will join in every now and again. So, yeah, what, what can I say about the guy? Christy Moore, um, I, I've seen him everywhere from Dundee. I've seen him in Edinburgh, Glasgow. I've seen him in uh, Cork, Ballina, Newcastle, County Down, 
base all over the place. I, I the only country I haven't seen him in is England. Actually, uh, I'd love to see him at a venue, say somewhere like Liverpool, somewhere with <coughs> like or London with a big Irish contingent. Uh, my dream is to see him at Vicker Street in Dublin oh. and the Barrowlands in in Glasgow, because what he's amongst his his own, shall we say, he can get a tad rebellious. Um, you know, he he, he sings. He sings lovely ballads like, you know, Black is the Colour, The Voyage, Nancy Spain. Then he does ballads like Kevin Barry, Back Home in Derry, written by um, Bobby Sands, um, Viva La Quinta Brigada. So you, you, you get, it's a, it's a lovely mix of um, middle class moneyed folk with absolute nutcases from... Uh, the east end of Glasgow, and it's just it, it, it creates this atmosphere that I would have never and will never experience at any other gig. And he is in charge all the time. You dare speak out, you you dare um, heckle, and ah uh, well, you know, f- forget it. You know, you, mm. you you've just you've you've, you've signed your uh, your death warrant there. I, I think yeah. even since 1994, I've seen him over 30, I think about 35 times. I've seen him in October, and this will be, I think, my 35th time. Wow. Yeah. Big Christie fan. Oh, look, that's, and you're right, the first one does have a special memory, doesn't it, for you? Yeah, so uh, just a wee bit of background, I'll not, I'll not keep you too long on this one, but it was a guy called Terry McGivern, and we were on the way back from um, the Carrickdale Hotel. It was a, it was a, Disco, remember discos? Uh, called Lacey's, and uh, Lacey's was renowned for the Newry lads meeting up with the Cross McLean and Dundalk boys, and basically beating the shit out of each other. Um, this particular night, we Terry picked us up, and uh, he stuck Christy Moore the collection on uh, on the tape recorder in the car. No, no, no! You've you've missed half of this. Anyway, so we're we're playing it on the way back. <laughs> And uh, I said to Terry, who is this? This guy's great. Uh, songs like Faithful Departed, Ordinary Man, which is quite applicable to now in the strikes and what have you, uh, written written in Thatcher's time. And I said, who is this? And he, he told me who it was. So as soon as I went to my first year at uni in, 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 in uh, Dundee, I saw that he was playing. And of course, your first gig, seeing someone as I don't know, omnipresent on on the stage. He's just, it's just amazing. And that's why, even though I've been to so many other gigs and they all seem to have blurred into one experience, I, I will never forget the Whitehall Theatre in Dundee and, and Christy Moore. Mm. I still have the, the stub. Do you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, I, still, I still need to see Christy Moore. You gotta go see. Now, the thing is now, um, I've been looking at his because uh, I stalk him. All his gigs this year are in in Ireland. So, if you want to go see him, you've got to get a plane or a boat. Right. Okay. I don't think he'll play England or Scotland again. You know, he's he's pushing on seventy five. Yeah. But his voice, you close your eyes, you could swear he's still in his fifties. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, of course it is. Fingers crossed for that. Uh, it's, it's equally good when you see him in October. 
yeah i'm sure it will be thank you very much okay so let me get my first one um go through that so mine was uh it was a charity gig in fact uh held at the victoria polo uh december 1983 it was a charity that was run by Susanna york um and it was a campaign uh against the anti-cruise missile which was uh um obviously quite a very big thing uh in in the 80s eight eight uh bands were on that gig i can't remember what time it started it was a it was a long evening in a good way delighted to say so you had the likes so you had um mari wilson hazel o'connor the alarm uh, elvis costello paul weller with star council um, Ian Drury and and the Blockheads, uh, Paul Weller on his own, and he had U2 headlining it. Um, then there were some other sort of mixes in there. The the one I remember was uh, Elvis Costello and Paul Weller doing Ever Changing Mind. Um, U2 still did a, a seven song set. Um, so when and sort of just to fix the ear it's um i will follow 11 o'clock TikTok seconds sunday bloody sunday new year's day and knocking on heaven's door and and 40 nice. 40 is an encore um a number of reasons why that's a it's a special gig i mean already you know in in the early 80s seeing all of those bands in one evening is is you're lucky to be able to do it. It was just over the road from where I worked, um, which was even better. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the first gig I went to with uh, with my friend Martin Cook, uh, Cookie, who still friends with today, and go to him. I don't know how many gigs I've been to with him now, especially going to Iceland with him as well. So that was good. And at this particular event, the special, the special, really special part of it that really made the whole evening was that um, we were at the uh, rear, the, the rear row of seats in the stalls, uh, this Victoria Polo, fairly decent sized uh, venue. And just before the alarm came on, there was um, Adam Clayton and Larry Mullane Jr. got sidled up and were just sort of plonked their arms on over the top of where we were sitting they they'd come out just to watch the alarm play and um we had a lovely conversation with them whilst the music was going very decent chaps great chaps uh, and you know this is the thing about the memorable gigs that you go to there's always something a little bit different that happens that makes it makes it worthwhile or something special on there um one a wonderful evening to to be out great to see so many of those those acts um as they're coming through you know, you know, seeing seeing Paul Weller um, doing a couple of different turns, it was just just fantastic. So uh, a great time, and that's going to be my first one that I'm locking away. Good choice. Um, Good. Jealous of that one. Yeah, je well jealous of that one. I mean, that's what a crack of lineup. Yeah. Uh, what year was that? That was uh, back end of '83. Yes, in 1990 was the first time I got to see you two um, on the Love Tag tour. So I'd like to have seen them a bit earlier. But... This is the second time I saw them, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember you saying that. Yeah, 1983. I would have been 10. My my first gig 
was um, Brian Adams at the Dundonald Ice Bowl what? outside Belfast. That's okay. In 1991. Keep yeah. that to yourself. Oh, I just, <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> I think my debut was worse. Musical Youth. <laughs> oh, that is worse. <laughs> you yeah, beat that one. Oh, you've top trumped me. <laughs> mine was mine was the Buzzcocks. Oh, that's too cool. Uh, yeah, that's a very cool. Yeah, festival. too cool. I have to say, Brian Adams was because uh, my my she would have been my first girlfriend. Uh, she she got the tickets for it, and at, at the time, um, Adams was sixteen weeks at number one with everything I do. I do it for you. Yeah. So it was all the rage to go to that. Amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. Darren, come on, you can redeem yourself now and tell us about your second gig. Okay, no worries at all. Yeah, it's not musical youth. Uh, so I've gone for, um, I mean, I, I guess I've bent the parameters slightly, but I've gone for a band that I saw at Reading Festival in 1992. Um, this guy is, I'm sadly joined the 27 Club. Uh, with the likes of Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse and Richie Edwards, who we were talking about a minute ago, where he sadly lost his life at the age of 27. But I saw Kurt Cobain and Nirvana at Reading 92. Wow. Um, and any kids I speak to, any 20-somethings or teenagers these days, God, I'll tell you what, I'm the coolest person ever because I've seen Nirvana. <laughs> They're one of those bands these days that... They're timeless, and people wear the T-shirts even if they've never heard the band. You know, they're, they're, they've got that kind of aura about them that they had back in the day as well, really, but even more so now. And this was the gig where they were riding high in the charts at the time with Smells Like Teen Spirit, so people were just really starting to know about them over here. And it's when he came on in a wheelchair with his hospital gown on, and then there's that buzz where people said, God, is he ill? Is he ill? But it was just his showmanship. Um and it was just, I mean, I was going to say it was a brilliant gig, but I was there with a couple of mates, and about three quarters of the way through, we'd had enough. It was on the last day of the festival, so it was on the Sunday night, and we had a long way to go home, and we said, should we just call it a night? So I didn't see the end, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but obviously since, it's had, a, it's had a vinyl release, a DVD release, and so I had to catch up on the last few tracks. Um <laughs> But the interesting thing, Dave Grohl, the night before, said they'd only rehearsed once, the night before, sorry, um, and he said it was absolutely bloody awful, and he thought it would end their career. He thought it was going to be atrocious. Oh. Um, I mean, to be honest, they weren't that necessarily ever musically amazing, but they had that real grunge factor, and they had the personalities, and just the um, and the will, you know, the will to be good and to perform. And they were brilliant. Um, they were at Red in the year before that, in 1991, but quite low down the bill. And then we're asked back as headliners. And they did all their classics. Yeah, we, there was Lithium, Come As You Are, Teen Spirit, Love Buzz, About A Girl. So all the big Nirvana songs up to that time. It was just before the In Utero album. I think that was the year after. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, absolute classic. And quite proud to say I was there, really. Of course. There you go. Short and sweet for you. Nice one. I, I think um, I, I couldn't get into grunge at all. Um, it's like the Seattle scene. Um, yeah. My brother was massively into grunge. He was yeah. massively into everything that I wasn't until he met a girl. Um, so <laughs> half of the bedroom, we shared a bedroom, and half the bedroom was 
Led Zeppelin, U2, Queen, and the other half was Sepultura, Anthrax, Helmet, Nirvana. Right? <laughs> so, so there was a massive clash of uh, and then when he when he met a girl, he uh, he asked me if I had could slip him some Paul Simon. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and and some Billy Joel, but he had a ticket for the gig for Nirvana the day after he killed. I think it was April '94, and he yeah, had a ticket to see Nirvana in Dublin yeah. uh, the day after he killed himself. That's and right. he tried to he tried to sell it, you know, on the back pages of QMag. Yeah. Uh, you know, to someone who would want to buy it, oh, you know, right. so that, yeah. Like someone, yeah, and and nobody nobody took it, and I'm sure if if he no. did that now, it'd be a different would, story. Yeah. But yeah, yeah and he yeah. yeah, and and I remember him being dreadfully upset. I, I, I couldn't get into. I tried to. I've got never mind. Yeah, I just I struggle with it, and I I, I see it him as as a great front man, and listen, I'd be lying if I said I'd never got up onto a dance floor and headbang to Teen Spirit or Come <laughs> yeah. As You Are. Yeah. We've all done it. And it, it, they are two very, very powerful uh, pieces of work. Well, yeah, that, that would have been good life. It would have been really good life. Um, yeah. Uh, such a shame he, he took his own life like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you struggle to listen to it, um, have a listen to the MTV Unplugged. The Unplugged album. No, I have listened to that, and I really, yeah. really liked it. Yes. Yeah, it's a really good way to yeah. kind of experience uh, it. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, it shone a different kind of light on the prism Yeah. with, with, uh, with Unplugged. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you, Mark. Um, I've always wanted to try and get into I've always tried to get into grunge and never quite worked for me. Huge respect. Of, of, we've talked about Dave Grohl before and how much I love the man, but never really got his music and uh nirvana's the same thing but darren to, yeah. to be there and see that and sadly there is something special about seeing seeing a band that you can't see anymore at, yeah, you know, at, at such a young age yeah yeah very true there you go what does jonesy think um yeah i'm a, I'm a bit like uh date really i could um struggle to get in, into it really um i think i like uh i think i like i think i like the food fighters uh, i know it's after you the event you, you know but because they're a little yeah. bit more melodic yeah um but, more rock aren't they even grunge yeah um but um I've, st I've still, I mean, I've got, I've got a couple of CDs. I mean, I think I've got, I've got Nevermind and I've got In Utero. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, it wouldn't be something I would go to. Yeah, and I, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was never a massive fan, and I'm not now. It's not. I've got three or four of their albums, but I very yeah. rarely play them. Yeah. And I think it's just that gig was so iconic. So not necessarily yeah. my favourite band or my favourite yeah. gig, but yeah. just an iconic gig that I was at, really. And it makes Absolutely, you very yeah. cool. No. Completely yeah, get yeah. that. With I, I, went to, I went to, speaking of my brother, um, he obviously didn't have anyone to go with. And um, he was living up in Callander, uh, which is west of Stirling in, in, in uh, Scotland. And he had a spare Foo Fighters ticket for Murrayfield. And I went... And uh, I was anything but blown away. 
Uh, Dave Grohl had a, he was on a plaster cast at the time with his leg. Uh, yeah, yeah. After he'd fallen off uh, the stage. Yeah. yeah, which was pretty cool in itself. But I, I, I just, I sat there and I thought, yeah, oh, Does, doesn't touch the sides for me. Doesn't touch the sides at all, no. Right. And uh, I, I did a similar performance by REM back in 98, I think it was. And they had the cranberries back of them. The cranberries were far infinitely better. Really? And yeah, and Stipe came on, and Bill Berry was still playing drums for REM. Remember, he had a he had a brain tumor, yeah. and he was out of action. And and then he came back ridiculously, had an operation. I think it was an aneurysm, or, right. and came back and played the rest of the tour. And this was, I think, I'm pretty sure this was that tour. Um, but he was he was outstanding. But Stipe was just dreadful. Uh, I think he had a cold that day. So I. <laughs> I've been to some great gigs at Murrayfield, but um, REM and Foo Fighters stick out in, uh, in the wrong way for me. Um, but there you go. It's horses for courses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay. I think Nirvana would have been brilliant, though. Like presidents. I prefer the presidents of the United, of the United States. Yeah. Room. Brilliant. Yeah. Peaches. Yeah. Bob, it's a cracking Bob, album. Sort of stuff. Did they Dune do Bug- Lump as well? Was Lump? Yeah, they did Lump, Lump. and yeah. they did, yeah. and they did uh, yeah. Dune Buggy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a no, cr- that's a, a great good album. album. Yeah, nice. Okay, guys, uh, Alan, I'm gonna invite you to do your second. Gift. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> Mark um, was talking about Eric Clapton, and uh, you broke up a bit, Mark. So I, d- I don't know what happened. It, I don't. Did it turn into a bit of a riot? No, uh, no he, he walked off the stage because the the acoustics uh, weren't to his satisfaction oh, at Glasgow right. Hydro. So he just walked off stage, and everybody just sat there and thought, "Right, what happens now?" Paul Carrick came in, filled in for him, and uh, and then that was it. The show was over. <laughs> no refund. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to touch on this. I'm just, it's not the one I'm going to go into detail on, but yeah, it just reminded me of uh, the time I went to see Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Uh-huh. And um, as I said, I'm sure they were supported by, I want to say Iron Maiden, and this is 1980. I think Iron Maiden were bigger than that. They what? probably could have. No, they, they didn't come on till around then, did they? Uh, maybe, it, well, maybe it was then. But anyway, yeah. Rainbow played, they played for an hour, and then they went off, and they didn't come back on for an encore, and then all hell let loose. Really? I've never seen anything like it. Right at the front, we, I was about 10 rows from the front dead center stage. And he goes off stage, and go, you know, it's typical, you know, you're going to pay, if you play for an hour, you're going to at least do at least yeah. one encore, not two. Nope. <laughs> he did, nothing happened. All I remember is seats being chucked onto the stage, etc., etc. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to talk about um, the time I went to see Pink Floyd doing The War. It's oh, uh, wow. Earl's Court. And um, uh, that was sort of, well, I think it was like, I don't know, 
I can't remember the date, early 80, it could be late 80, could have been August 1980, something like that, I think. And it was great. Um, Earl's Court, if you've ever been there, it's a massive place. Yeah. Um, the only time I've been there since is to see the Spice Girls and and watch um, the um, Olympics in 2012 for handball. But um, yes, massive place, white building. Uh, been under it a few times because you have to go under it. Uh, if you go from um, uh, Earl's Court through to Hammersmith on the tube. Uh, but absolutely unbelievable. I can't, I can't begin to explain how big the, the stage was the set and um obviously it's just, it's only them playing so only it's only pink boys the wall and um it all obviously starts off and it's a you know just a a black stage with you know with the you know probably look like an know five six guys playing you know there and they start off and if you if you know the album it's quite a, uh, yeah. a dramatic beginning yeah yeah and uh, just from then the light show the whole fireworks you could paratechnic whatever you want to call it it was just absolutely amazing and somehow you as as it went through you know each song and that people were gradually building up the wall there were extras building up this wall so as you went through the songs the band were disappearing behind it and it was just uh, i've never seen anything like it i don't think i'll ever see anything again but it was just a fantastic because everybody there they you know the album came out in you know, 79. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody there, were, you know, obviously yeah. knew that everything by heart and uh, knew what the sequence was. And it was just a um, really great atmosphere and it was really lovely to hear it live. And um, Oh, that must have been fantastic. And especially when the... Um, like the uh, the aeroplane, the story, oh, yeah. the, the, the aeroplane comes down and you can hear the noise revving up and the next minute oh, an aeroplane comes across the stage. Nice. That's nice. all I'm doing on an aeroplane. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to do justice to us, to it first, to, to it really, but it's just... One of those places you, you or those gigs you had to be able to to, to see and experience and um i know it's i Wonderful. think the, the, the versions of it have been done but i don't think the original will, will be repeated and it's one of those iconic bands that when i think back you know to um, when my brother used to play Pink Toy to me, and I think, what is this hippie shit? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really like it, you know. It was kind of by then I was, you know, I'd moved on to like Elton John, 
and uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, fantastic experience and Pink Floyd, The Wall at Ills Court. I think it's I think it's up there in. I think they played. I don't know, maybe I don't know, five, six, seven nights, maybe. But it's Brilliant. up there as one of the greatest gigs of all time. Wonderful. Yeah, that's one of those I would have absolutely have loved to have seen. That one and Dark Side of the Moon played live would be stunning. Completely um, agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I've only been to Wales Court. Well, I've been a few times. At once for a gig. And to me then, it seemed like a, like an intimate gig because that was for U2. So I was used to seeing U2 in stadiums and actually Earl's Court for them felt really intimate. So it's interesting you say your view of it is that it's massive because yeah. for U2 it felt lovely. But yeah. 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 I've, I've only been to Earl's Court for um, a travel show. You know, the, you know, the, you know the way you've kind of, uh, you know, with all the stalls. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was, I was, a couple of the kids went to Walking Dead conventions there, and I took them. Yeah, along. yeah, it's a cracking venue. Cracking venue. Very different, doesn't it? Then. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, my pal rang me up and said, uh, "Do you fancy going to the travel show in London on Saturday?" This is on the Wednesday. Yeah, okay then. Jumped on the early plane, went down. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Just went to all the stalls and all these wonderful places I'd love to go to in the world, <laughs> and back on the plane in the evening. It was great. Just. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's the only time I've been there. Alan, I'm very jealous. Um, I would love yeah. to have seen Pink Floyd. I mean, it was it was really good seeing Nick Mason a, a few weeks ago. That was that was um, as close as I will ever get, um, which was a, a good a good substitute. But it's not the same thing as seeing no, all got, of them on stage. Got the program upstairs, you know, with the graphics done. What was his name? Uh, who, who did oh, who designed um, the, the italics and all that? Yeah, it's uh, a Swedish name that escapes me at the moment, but it comes to me in a minute. So, so, Alan, would you have said that the uh, the, the actual the, the show itself was better than the music, or did they complement each other? Oh, yeah, it's complemented, complemented, yeah. and yeah, and eventually there because um, Geldof is obviously there. Doing the the voice of the uh, what do they call the guy the uh, the character? Oh yeah, yeah, can't remember. Yeah, it, yeah, but it's the voice of but, uh, yeah, yeah, Geldof was there. But I mean, then eventually they start you know sort of bringing down the wall and that. But the acoustics is just I say I just can't. It's hard to describe. It's a long time ago as well. Uh, you know, maybe I'm embellishing some of it. But um, music was played yeah. louder in those days, wasn't it? As well, let's yeah. not forget. But yeah, uh, yeah great. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's an album I, I often play as well. Um, you know, you, but it's one of those you've got to. You okay? You know, another brick in the wall. You know, part two. That was the one that was, you know, released as a single, and you know, everybody. And that's still a great song, um, on its own. But um, yeah. in the actual album of the Wall, it's a very small part, and yeah. there's some, uh, you know, great better songs like Mother, 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, the the one that the um, the scissor sisters covered as well. Yeah, com oh, comfortably numb. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the one. Uh, Gerald Scarf, the artist. Gerald Scarf, that's it. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah, got the program up in the loft somewhere. Wonderful. So that's my second uh, memorable gig. Good stuff. Mark, come on now, give us your second one. Right, okay, this one's going to be blatantly obvious. Uh, saw this gig. It's It's probably, I would say, the best gig I've ever been to in my life. Oh. Hand, hands down. Uh, they toured on this particular tour from February 92 until December 93. Um, they played two nights in Dublin. I was completely blown away. I remember distinctly it being the coolest t-shirt from, from a gig I've ever bought as well. Uh, so much so that um, I, I, I once was an altar boy in a previous life and uh, once I'd left the, the older boys at the age of 17, realizing that I was getting a bit old for this, I, uh, I became a reader at, at church at mass. And I remember the day after going to this gig, being so fiercely proud, and my mum insisting that I wear a suit when I read at mass. And I said no to hang with that. And I wore this T-shirt from this gig um, saying I was there. It it was um, the zoo tour. Uh, it, it was it was you two. I have never ever come, <laughs> seen or experienced anything like it since or before then. I, I don't know where to start. If if you get the chance to, uh, I, I had it in video cassette. I'm sure it's on DVD, and I'm sure you can down, you can stream it now. But the zoo tour is just incredible. Everything from the turbant cars bashing each other above the stage to Bono's alter egos the fly and Mr McFisto and them coming out into the, the center stage you know the just the, the drums that everything everything and the playlist was amazing as well they had they played Act Tongue Baby obviously it was the zoo tour but it felt like old stuff it was strange they were advertising our, our promoting their new album, but it felt like old stuff to me. They played loads of the Joshua Tree, uh, they played the classics, I Will Follow, Sunday Bloody Sunday, uh, lo loads of stuff off um, War Boy, Joshua Tree, Actung Baby. And I just remember it so, so clearly. Uh, I went with three mates from from uh, from Newry. We took the bus down. Um, <laughs> took about two hours to get there. You could get from Newry now to Dublin in about 45 minutes at a push. I thought it was Croke Park, strangely, and I was looking it up the other day, and it was actually the RDS. Uh, I saw them again at the RDS in 98 for the pop tour. It was good. It was great. I went with uh, the lovely Jenny. But the zoo tour, you, nothing, nothing in my life will come near that. It's, it's all that has to be said. And it was such a beautiful sun. It was in August, August 93, and the sun was splitting the trees. Uh, it was it was a it was a perfect day. And he he phoned. He used to he used to phone Mr. McFisto. He used to phone up George Bush, George yeah. H. W. Bush Senior. And he phoned up presents and he phoned up different different people. He had Salmon Rushdie, I believe, on in London, had him on stage. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was in uh, that. The, yeah, yeah the, the guy, the guy just had big balls, yeah. and uh, Mr. McFistel was him, despite the fact he was saying it was an alter ego. Uh, but he, he just did it so well. He did it so the whole setup from start to finish, from the very bland U2 concerts that you used to get pre-92, pre-Acton Baby, to this Pink Floyd meets Queen meets whoever else is fantastic live. This was it. This was it. And uh, it was I... I, TV, I wasn't it? it was almost a TV experience, wasn't it? It, it was just mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that goes in easily as my my second memorable. Yeah, that's an absolutely brilliant choice, and it would have been one of mine. But I was pretty sure you'd go for it, so I did put it in. But that was um, yeah, my mate must know. Well, my brother I think came to one of them with me, the London one, and my mate Jay. We saw I think we saw him four or five times on that tour. <laughs> it cost us a yeah. fortune. We saw him at London and Cardiff and wherever else it was they played. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we couldn't get enough of that tour. It was amazing. Great choice. In fact, I might try and stream it tonight or over the weekend. Yeah, I've got the DVD. It's such a joy to watch. Yeah. Pop my heart DVD as well. That's worth reliving as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love how they play. Uh, I love, sorry, I love how they play. I love how they play it at the end. Uh, Satellite of Love. Yeah. Yeah. And Lou Reed came in there on the screen. Uh, brilliant, wasn't it? Great. It was just great. And in their hometown as well. So yeah. I, I couldn't have wished for more. Brilliant. What were you saying, Al? Yeah, I bought the I bought the VHS cassette. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't DVDs in those days. No, it wasn't. No, you're right. No. Then a thrash name, Mr. Hawks. <laughs> no. That's very excellent. And, that was uh, their finest, I think. So, yeah, at the time, I could, I remember, I could play it through my, the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the player, the, the, the recorder, yeah. and also I could, put, it could, would come out through my um, hi-fi as well. So, so you're listening kind of like a Dolby, Dolby sound through your speakers. So, yeah. Excellent, remember that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mark, so we saw it, we saw that tour. We lived in France. Um, the problem is, I think when we bought the tickets, we didn't know we were going to have a little baby. So, oh. so uh, it also happens to be Rebecca's first concert. She was three months old. And oh, bless. Brilliant. Claire, Claire and I took turns of looking after Becca outside, and we had her ears covered up and a big hat on there. and and her little onesie suit with the hood over the head. But we took it in turns and so we did two songs each, swapping in and out to, to watch it. But um, so, yeah, that is a special place for us. And oh, I could have added that one. Uh, yeah, you could. Brilliant. Excellent. I'm glad it brings back so many happy memories for, for everybody. Yeah. Good days. Okay. Good so, choice. Good, great choice. So my second one, a um, bit of a connection here. Um, because uh, this one is July 2006, Botanical Gardens in Belfast. Um, ah. I, I think what the, what used to happen is there used to be the uh, V concerts in Leeds and Reading, was it? And uh, the, they, there's a kind of the warm-up where it started, first of all, in, in Ireland um, with gigs in Dublin and in Belfast. 
So, um, and it just so happened the family were out visiting me whilst I was working there because I worked for four years in Belfast. So had have a bit of a connection there myself. And it was the first time that we went as a family to a, a festival, well, not a festival, to, a, to an open air gig, to a gig together. Um, the, the bands, one of the bands was great. Um, well, two of the bands were great. Um, Pigeon Detectives and Mumra. Don't really know them. Be Your Own Pets, not so sure. But the uh, the number two band was the Raconteurs. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Had Jack White, Brendan Benson, uh, Jack Lawrence and Patrick Keeler. Um, and the headline band was the Kaiser Chiefs. So the, the I suppose for me it was the whole situation. We were there. It wasn't a massive venue back in those days um it was a bigger one than next year which was headlined by the killers that was that was a really great one um but we had all three kids with us and uh had some good friends from work will brown who was ended up messaging today about something else he was letting me know there's ned's atomic dustbin i think is performing near us <laughs> so with but he's he and his uh his his wife, who was uh, not his wife in those days, Vicky Logan, were there. So that was just great to to have them there, and with the kids. So Seth would have been six. Um, Darren, you caught you caught up with Seth yesterday. But yeah. just imagine the whole gig. I basically had him on my shoulders. So um, and then we had <laughs> Paige, Paige and Rebecca, like eleven thirteen. So. Something like that, yeah. Um, so, great fun. And I think for them, it was the first time they just saw people letting it all go. There was this uh, other lady from the office called Michaela, who who the girls remembered vividly at the time, just with her hat, two pints in, or a pint in each hand, just enjoying the music, music spinning around. And they both love music now, so I'm, I'm thinking it's because they got a good introduction to it back in the day. Um, the, the, the Kaiser Chiefs were, were really good. It wouldn't be a band I would be necessarily going to setting out to go and see. But when you go to something like that and it's pretty close by to where you're 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 living, it it's great fun and yeah, but great times. And uh, that is my second one again, memorable really because of uh, a fam the family being part of it. Brilliant. I'm not sure you'd want Seth on your shoulders at your next gig, though. You know what? It, 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 it don't if it lasts six seconds, let alone. <laughs> yeah, he's any a bit more than big. <laughs> Brilliant. Not not the sort of gig I expected you to come up with tonight. Yeah. Big family feel to it. That's great. Well, I'm going for memorable for me. So they're yeah. ones, you know, I could come up with Absolutely. my, my favourite ones, but these are ones that stick in the mind for other reasons, for good reasons. So, yeah. 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 100%. 100%. That's Kaiser lovely. Chiefs are pretty good, actually. Say again? Kaiser Chiefs. Pretty good you know songs, what? They really were. I mean, it was that time when you had the Kaiser Chiefs there, you had Franz Ferdinand, you had the Killers. There's lots of mm. you know, really sort of, you know, electric bands that were kind of a new wave, not, not a new wave in, in capital letters, but it was, there's a lot more fun going on, plenty of, of, of also yeah. songs that everyone could sing along to. Yeah. yeah. Ruby, yeah. oh, I, pre Ruby, I predict Ruby, a riot. Yeah. I predict a riot. I think Employment's one of is a truly brilliant oh, album. Yeah. yeah, I was a big fan of the first album, and I yeah. 
after that, but he's, he's a Ricky Wilson, isn't he? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Great front man. And he was so much energy. It was climbing the. It was kind of very U two-ish, you know, climbing the rigging and yeah, I've seen him uh, do that. And, and the yeah. scaffolding on the side, anywhere he could climb up, he was doing yeah. that. But you know, everyone loved it. It was it was a great event. So we're halfway through, guys. So we go okay. back round again, Daz. Back to me then. Okay, right. I'm going to try and keep it brief, but it's a big old gig. So this is probably one of the biggest gigs ever at Wembley Stadium. Um, but it was six years to the day after Live Aid. Um, this was a gig called Summer Excess at Wembley Stadium. Um, obviously, Wembley then had the old Twin Towers there still that went up in 1923. They were knocked down in 2003. And there were 72,000 people. And me and a couple of my brother and a couple of mates were there. And we bombed it onto the pitch like we'd won the World Cup for England in '66 got as close to the front as we could um, and we actually made a really good job of it. We were three or four, four rows from the front at Wembley. So we were there. We could see the stage. Um, it was a 12 o'clock start, 12 in the afternoon, uh, the 13th of July, 1991. And it started off with Roachford, Jesus Jones, Jellyfish, the Hot House Flowers, Deborah Harry, as she was there, not Debbie, and In Excess. The mighty oh. Australian band in excess. Um, I mean, I saw in excess. I was lucky enough to see them probably must have been in double figures, nine or ten times, I would say. Um, and this was the biggest gig of their lives. Um, I think it grossed about one and a half million pounds or dollars. Uh, Michael Hutchins only got about five grand out of it. I think the band members got four or five grand each because they'd invested all their money into filming it. Um, no. We've talked before about, um, well, Live Baby Live, as I used to call it, but Live Live Baby Live, as it should be known. Um, and it was massive, and it was filmed on the day. I think ACDC are the only other Australian band to sell out Wembley Stadium. Um, I'm pretty sure that's still current. Yeah. Um, they played. They kind of played Wembley before, because they were zapped over from the um, Australian Live Aid. And they were shown on the big screen during Live Aid. And that kind of inspired them to really want to go and play there. Really? So that kind of inspired this whole Summer Excess event. Um, and if you check very carefully on the DVD, you can just about see my brother a couple of minutes into Never Tear Us Apart. <laughs> but, oh, brilliant. Yeah. And he managed to reach out and give Michael Hutchins a high five at one point, which I was very jealous of. But it was just a brilliant day out. And I don't know how, but we were really close to the front, but we were still able to leave a pitch, go and get a few beers, get back into where we were. It didn't seem to be too crushed, even though it was a long day, but 12 o'clock till about 11 o'clock, I think, at night. So nearly 12 hours of music, but it was absolutely brilliant. And that lineup, I, I liked them all at the time, I think. Maybe not. I mean, Jellyfish, was <laughs> their first album was really good. Probably Deborah Harry was the one I was least familiar with then. Right. Um, but she had a kind of black leotard on and a black headband. Um, and she was good. She was good. Finished with mm. Atomic, I think. From yeah, I'll bet, I'll, I'll bet you were familiar with her from yeah. uh, the fourth row after that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that just stands out to me because my brother was with me. My best oh. mate was with me. Or one of my best mates was with me. And it was just a brilliant brilliant gig to be at on a beautiful sunny day 
so, so there you go. Summer excess is in there for me. So was it the 13th of July? So that would have been to the day. Yeah, six years to the day. To yeah. the day live it, yeah. Really weird. Yeah, weird. That is, oh, that very is deliberate. Strange, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's deliberate. That's, it had to be, yeah. It might well have been, yeah. Great plan. Yeah. One, yeah, with one... Uh, I, I got excited. Yeah. I, I, I got really excited there um, because um, even though I work in a bank and I have to work with numbers a lot, yeah. I counted six on the 85 and got 92. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I was I was thinking uh, the uh, the Mercury Tribute oh. at Wembley. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. so um, I, I'm sorry, I, I did admit that on on air live. <laughs> sounds sounds brilliant. I'd love to have seen Hutchins and NXS. That would have been brilliant. Oh, I saw it in some little venues as well. I saw it in the Plymouth Pavilions, um, NXS, yeah. uh, Brixton Academy was one of my favourite ever venues anyway, and they were mm -hmm. brilliant. There. Um, but it, it was great seeing little venues. But this gig, they were up for it. The whole band were up for it. Oh. Roachford, he did Cuddly Toy. Yeah, do you know what? That's what most people know him for. But if you listen yeah. to um, his album, is it a Permanent Shade of Blue, I think? That is one of the most beautiful albums you'll ever hear. Yeah. Yeah. Have a listen to that album if you don't know it. You need the lights out, get a beer in front of you, and tell you what, my friend Chris Kewell, he um, actually introduced me to that album years ago, probably 30-odd years ago. And he did exactly that. He turned the lights down, popped it on, and we just chilled out. And it's beautiful. So, the yeah. Black cover with a red... Black cover with, like, a red outline, I think, of him. Yeah, that, yeah, there is that one. But this one's a very sort of blue and black type cover. Oh, oh what? It's first album. Permanent Shade of Blue or Permanent Shade of White, something like that. Yeah. But yeah. have a listen to that one. Stunning. Will do. Excellent. Darren, thank you very much there. I think got everyone excited yeah. for Russia, those days when we were able to rush to the front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that for Donna. For, not for Donna. Madonna. Oh. Yeah, Cardiff. Uh, Cardiff uh, I think it was called the Principality Stadium then. But yeah, got uh, into the uh, ring. Got into the ring for Madonna. Yeah, it's worth doing. I did that for a lot of the U2 things. Used to do that kind of pen at the yeah. front as well. A lot of the big stadium gigs, and yeah, me and Jay made many a run down to the front for those. Alan, Absolutely. your turn now. Number three, please. Okay, so um, I think probably uh, anybody who's listened to the podcasts uh, over the previous 49 uh, editions have probably heard me talking about this particular time. When my friend Steve um, entered a competition uh, to uh, arrange for this uh, the band to actually, if he won the competition, to play in his front room, and um, he entered. Uh, this is going back a few years now, two thousand and thirteen. Actually, the competition was probably held in 2012. Anyway, the band held the competition. If you bought their like deluxe CD box set, it was like 100 quid, something like that. If you bought it, 
you could put your name in a hat to uh, arrange for the band to come around and play in your front room. And, and Steve, uh, I actually saw him on Saturday. He was, he was at Simple Minds and uh, Deacon Blue and Caesar at Vernon uh, Palace. And uh, so Steve, a big, massive fan of this band. And um, he decided to buy this deluxe box set. It's lovely. I couldn't. I was too poor. Uh, I just bought the, like, the normal CD of it and uh, at the time because you couldn't buy vinyl back in 2012. And um, anyway, one day got in contact with me and said, how do you fancy coming round to my house? Um, oh, actually, I saw it on, that's how I found out about it. It was announced online, announced on an email. And I saw this email come through and the winner is Steve oh. Hutchings of Milton Keynes. So I'm going back to Milton Keynes. And, um, and the band is uh, a Scottish band called Hugh and Cry. And uh, so here we are. The, so the arrangement is Hugh and Cry will come round and play in your living room. And Steve has won this. And uh, so anyway, um, him and his missus, uh, so she won't like me for calling this missus, uh, Angela, um, also a big Hue and Cry fan, said, well, they said, well, you can invite whoever you want round. You know, that's it. You could invite the street if you want. And they said, no, 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 we only want people to come around and, and be with us who actually like the band themselves. Obviously, so that's me. And um, so, uh, so eventually it was decided that um, on this particular day that it would be uh, Steve, Angela, and their two daughters, uh, Olivia, and um, I can't remember the other at the moment. Um, she's, she's grown up so so big. I can't remember. What was her name? Um, anyway, I'll get smacked for this. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it'll come to me. Um, and uh, so it's basically them four, and they de de decided to invite me, my wife Julie, and Charlotte, my daughter Charlotte. Brilliant. And um, Amelia, sorry to come to me, Amelia, sorry, Amelia. Uh, so the idea is I'd come round around midday on this particular, on a Sunday, and then you and Cry would turn up and play live in your living room. But anyway, we did. We, we turned up, and um, of course, they weren't there. And uh, we waited and waited and waited, and about an hour, half past one in, on, on a Sunday afternoon, eventually this black black van turns up, and out gets Pat and Greg Kane. I said, Pat and, Pat and Greg Kane. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. also a, um, a bloke with really long hair, the roadie, Rab. So with that, he said, right, okay, here we are. 
um, blah blah blah. It's all surreal. You just can't believe this. And they they basically walk in the house and they say, okay, well, where are we going to do this? Unfortunately, Steve and Andrew are a reasonably sized house, so say, okay, we're going to do it in the living room. So then Rab proceeds to bring in the uh, keyboards. It's uh, Greg Greg Kane's keyboards. If you don't know, you and Brian. It's basically when when they're not a um, when they haven't got a live band. It's basically you know. Greg Kane on keyboards and Pat Kane vocals. And uh, so they came in, set it all up, and Rab was there. And, and, and then they said, Oh, we could do, okay, well, well, before we do anything, we're going to do a sound check. We're going to do a sound check. So <laughs> I haven't seen anything like it. So they, they do a sound check. And they're going through it like one, two, one, two, check, 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 one, two, no, I can't hear you, can't hear you. Uh, and it started to get a bit of feedback. So Steve had to start, turn his stereo off. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they did the, did the sound check. And, and, and you know, Pat Kane's got his, he's, he's, in a, he's in a suit, you know, a suit. And um, anyway, so, um, so then Angela says, well, um, well, would, would you like any lunch before you start? You know, sort of thing. Well, um, so they, can you imagine this? They go, they, they go into the kitchen, and they're they're eating like a, I think she she got a Marks and Spencer's sandwich, big sandwich, whatever it was, deal. And they're there, and they're they're, they're leaning over like the draining board, and so Pat Kane says, "Oh, well, what what do you want us to play?" And so they sent, they said, we all put in blah, blah, blah. And, um, and uh, yeah, well, what about, uh, we, uh, we don't play that one live at the moment. So, okay, then, all right. So we're all shouting out of the labor of love. And, Looking out for Linda. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, well, um, yeah, the, the man with the child in his eyes, Kate Bush. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can do that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so anyway, they get the song list put together and they're finishing the sandwiches. And then they, they come into the front room and they actually, you know, they play there. And it's uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's one of those things I'll never ever forget. And they played and of course they, well, the last song was Looking Out for Linda. And um, they're, uh, he, he does it, he gets you to, to join in. If you've seen them live, you know, and actually we had seen them live about a year before in Milton Keynes at the stables. And, uh, but uh, Pat didn't come out on that particular time. Greg did, Greg signed, but um, Pat was pissed off with the venue. Anyway, they came. Anyway, looking out for Linda. Looking out for Linda. Never stop looking. Yeah, and get you going up the scale. And that. Anyway, they did, they did that. And then they sat sat down and um, we were talking about um, what were they were going to do next. And they signed everything that we bought, which was, I mean, I, they must have signed 20 albums, <laughs> CDs, 12-inch singles, 10-inch uh, vinyl, because I love the, they played my, I got them to play my favourite track, uh, You and Try Crack, which is, um, uh, which 
brilliant and uh, they signed it and and then they were talking about what they're going to do next and at the time this was like 2012 just before the olympics um and uh they were they, at that time they had some deal they were going to do something with the olympics was it something jazz it was jazz related wasn't it yeah they were going I to don't do know if they did something they recorded like a, like a jazz album. They might have done something up in Scotland. Yeah, so, Pat, Pat's yeah. well, Pat's very political, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah he they likes were to... great, you know. They they sat around and and uh, I brought out because I'd first seen them supporting Madonna in um, 1986 at Leeds around Hay Park. Uh -huh. So I produced the enemy, um, you know, actual report of that gig and. And everything but yeah uh, it was just one of those that you'd be very lucky to experience for for somebody a band that you really you know followed and uh, it was just surreal that's and amazing they, yeah. and they they were the night before they'd been in so i think somewhere down somewhere on the east coast i want to say cleethorpes and uh with doctor and the medics Right. It was some Butlins place, and they'd been performing in front of like they said, "Oh, performing in front of like three thousand people." In the next minute, there, performing in front of seven, and then they 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 were packed up with the goodbyes, and I haven't seen them since. Makes you wonder why. I mean, obviously, you know, the pandemic and all the rest of why more bands don't do that kind of thing. Say, so, right, you know, if you if you buy something, will play in your back garden yeah yeah how cool would that be yeah. and uh, it doesn't matter how big or small the band is but what an experience i mean that's no. that's the best story of the night no, i know no, we've heard it but no one can top that brilliant music was, no one can top that up and um they're, they're actually playing um not so far i mean they're, they're always touring big always touring and um they're actually playing Supporting Simple Minds in a few few weeks' time in uh, Hertfordshire, I might go even go to that. Nice. Yeah. You can pop round backstage and say hello to Pat. Yeah. Say you shared a cup of tea with him. Oh no, the great guys, great guys, and Rab the the the, the roadie, well, yeah. <laughs> typical long haired Scottish, <laughs> seen it all before. Nothing's gonna phase him. Yeah. Phase me. Not yeah. even putting up a rig in somebody's front room. Yeah, they're they're from a uh, a very special place called Cold Bridge in uh, Scotland. Oh. Uh, big big Celtic big Celtic sound. I, I played back in the day when I when I played Gaelic football. I played there a few times um, in Cold Bridge. Yeah. But a story for another time. Yeah, Pat Pat's very political. He's um, he he's very much there. a um, was it a Twitcher, Twitter? He's big. He's big on Twitter. Yeah, they were a great band. 86, 87, 88 was yeah. probably they, they were their peak years, and then yeah. they they drifted away and did all sorts. And I know they got very yeah. involved in the Glasgow yeah, Jazz I mean, Festival. Think, um, you know, I refuse and looking for Linda. Yeah, um, you know, great, great, great hits, great albums, and. Uh, what was yeah, that? Very... Did they do um, 
and I'm gonna work for you no more. Labour of Love. That's it, Labour of Love, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that was their I breakthrough. Saw him, I saw him at the Great Hall in Exeter, late 80s, I think. And they did a really good show. I, was up on, I remember being up on the balcony, on the left, just looking down at them. Yeah, they're really good. Good live yeah. show. They, t- they tend to do um, just just the two of them. Uh, I prefer them playing with the band. Well, yeah. well, you know, another you know, bassist and guitarist as well. That, that's yeah. the best. Yeah. Alan, thank you. I'm going to work for you no more. You've, okay, you've uh, outshone all of us, I think, with that one, which is uh, yeah. so, so memorable. Well, you knew I was going to do that. Yeah, Mark, you're number three. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, the the uh, dregs now, aren't I? Um, following that one. Um, okay, my third choice. This happened uh, November the ninth, twenty eighteen. Um, it was at the Edinburgh Playhouse. A band that I've, uh, I've loved for many years. Um. They remind me of a dear friend, my pal Joe Coacher, who I befriended in Dundee when I was at uni there. And he's now in Kitchener-Waterloo near Toronto in Canada. Joe, this is a big call out to your good self. Um, we've missed a few St. Patrick's Days. Our last one was 2019 in Toronto itself. Uh, we're hoping to head out to Montreal and I'm going to take this album with me. Um, when, when we meet up again. This album I gave to him, uh, so the, the, the gig itself was the 30th anniversary of the release of the album in 1988. And um, I handed this to him just before he got on the plane. The album in question is Sunshine on Leith by The Proclaimers. I went to see them 30 years on and I've never felt so um, insecure in the in the grand circle or the upper circle in the playhouse in my life. It was literally bouncing, rocking. I thought it was going to collapse. This this place is about a hundred odd years old. <laughs> Two lads bombing it out. It's such a great album. I think they started off with a track called Angry Cyclist. And what I love about their stuff is it's so uh, relatable. Yeah. So whether it's, I would, you know, 500 miles, they're, they're, they're beautiful love songs, but they don't sound like it. Yeah. And then you've got political songs like Cap and Hand, all about the relationship between Scotland and England and the Union. Very, very subtle. And oh, Jean, let me get lucky with you at the back of a bus. Uh, they played all the greats that night. Sunshine and Leith reminds me of my dear father. Um, the last time I, I, well, the last time he was in Scotland was November 2008. And I had the misfortune of taking him to a Hibs versus Hearts match down at Easter Road. And at half time they play Sunshine and Leith and I remember putting my arm around them and singing it, bawling it loud. Uh, every time I hear that song I think of him. This was a great gig. There's nothing there's nothing else can be said. 
uh, I came out of it just feeling completely high on life. It was like all of the, the goodwill of Edinburgh. You could tell there was so much love. The playhouse itself is on Leith Walk. Uh, the, the, the Proclaimers are Hibs fans. They're from Ochtermurti and Fife, but they're big Hibbies. So you could tell that every single person, man, woman, child, there that night, just loved them. Loved them so much. And I was part of it. And I'll never forget it. Uh, so, and I'll, ne <laughs> I'll never forget the thought of being in the Grand Circle thinking, this is going to collapse. Because people were just up giving it loudly, as they say up here. So that goes in as my number three. Fantastic experience. If you've never seen the Proclaimers, well, go go see them. Great band. Whether do you know whether you like some of their music or you don't, and you think they're a bit twee or whatever, uh, I th I think they're an incredibly talented uh, couple of lads. You should go see them if you if you get the opportunity. Fantastic. They're great live. I was weirdly I was watching them just last night perform at the uh, the Isle of Wight Festival. I yeah. watched highlights last night, and I've not seen them perform for years, 20, 30 years, whatever it is now. Yeah. Uh, and they, yeah, and they were brilliant. They've still got it, haven't they? And the crowd were going mad. A perfect festival band. They are. They are. They're 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 they're, a per they're perfect band to just uh, go mad. Yeah. Just go completely mad and forget everything that's outside the four walls. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, very straight-faced, aren't they? But... Oh, pole-faced. Yeah. Very pole-faced. But what I love about them is, um, you know, as, as I said there a couple of minutes ago, they, they can write beautiful love songs and, and great songs about, you know, politics and life. But it sounds, it just sounds like they're two, <laughs> I don't know, angry lads with a guitar yeah, belting it out. But when you, you read the lyrics and you, 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 you properly absorb them, they're not so daft. Two very, very uh, talented guys. Well, sorry, my I, I, one of their tracks that I love, they never wrote, but I, I love listening to it. And I bought it on the, I think it's a B side of that. One of their singles, King of the Road. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's the a Roger Miller song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. rendition of it. It's lovely. Yeah, uh, nice. yeah, especially with their 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 accents and their 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 their, their burrs they can do on on the actual the the the, the, the reason why I, uh, I mentioned Joe was um, a couple of days before he emigrated to Canada, he was staying over at mine in Aberdeer, and uh, all the girls had gone to bed and all the boys were still up drinking whiskey. And uh, I was looking out. So from the back garden in Aberdeer, I could see Edinburgh and I could see Leith. Must have been about three, four in the morning, about this time of year. And I said to Joe, I said, here we are, Joe, doing the dishes and the sun is shining on Leith. And, uh, you know, every time I hear that song, obviously I think of my old man, but I think of Joe and... Uh, it's uh, it, the album itself, and and the fact that they you know they toured just like Stereophonics toured for their uh, for the Jeep album. Uh, I think people it resonated so well with them because it is arguably their greatest album. 
It's the one that shot them to fame. It's it's got all the great tracks on it. And pe- the people of Edinburgh, doesn't matter if you're a jambo or a or a hippie, uh, there's 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 a real soft spot for the for the guys who are actually from Fife, from Octomurti, and uh, yeah, there you go. So I think for, we for, should for, mention their names. Uh... Craig and Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for that reason, that that particular, that's the the only time I've seen them live, and I'd love to see them again. And a good friend of mine, Dave Mackey, who uh, I think listens in every now and again as well, he's he's a huge fan. I'd love to see them more. I tried to get tickets for them for this uh, December, sold out, just sold out within an hour. Wow. Gone. No chance. Love Dave. Love Dave Mackey. Anyway. Um, Mark, you really captured the whole spirit of this. It's it's you're at a gig and other people, you know, there'll be many other people will be there as well. But it's it's so special for you, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's your, um, it, it's what it means to you, people, friends, family. You, know, you, you you can't beat it. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So what are we on your third, David? Is that right? We're on to my third. Um, okay, get ready. You won't know this band. Okay. <laughs> okay. You won't okay. know this band. So it's um, I, I wanted to include one of the, the gigs that uh, I did when I was in Iceland Airways, the uh, sort of the annual... Um, Airways concert that happens there. I think last time I was there, I might have seen maybe not last time, but the, the time for saw something like thirty gigs, and I don't know how many in in four days, five days, because there's even some events happen before it, before the festival takes place. So you can you can do that. I, I'm not sure I'll be up to that anymore, but you get to see in this this three four day event. I think it might be cut down a bit. Um, you get lots of uh, bands playing, some from abroad, um, many from Iceland, playing in all different size venues. And I wanted to capture, you know, a band that played in my one of my couple of favourite venues, and that venue is the uh, the Kex Hostel. So it's a there is a hostel attached to it, but more importantly, there's a, a great um, oval bar. A bit like at the Cafe Royal, but not that same size. Mark in Edinburgh. Oh yeah. You know, you've got yeah. a nice, nice yeah, big, nice, nice big ring there. Um, there's a kitchen. They have their own brewery, so they, 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 I think it's their own brewery, but they've got their own beer they produce. Um, great foods provided, and at one end, at the opposite end from where the kitchen is, they have what looks like a front room. The way they've got it set up, and all the bands play in that, that end of the of the bar um, and during airwaves um, they also hook up with uh, an American radio station called KEXP conveniently so similar names so often if you see a band there you can catch it on on video or listen to it stream it after you've seen it um, so I've seen many bands there and the, the clue mark training you already for when we go there is get there early. If you get there early, you can get a seat, you can get your beers in. If you want to get some lunch beforehand, you can, or food beforehand. 
um, and it has other attractions. There's there's one window on one side of the bar. When you look out over it, you can see across the water and you can see the snow-capped mountains in the distance. Um, you look inwards and you've just got a whole load of people. And obviously, because it's it's not freezing cold, but everyone's fairly heavily dressed, so it's it feels fairly full in there. And for this particular band, I'm thinking of um, or is it's Moji and the Setting Suns. They're a they're a band. Uh, they're a Icelandic American band. It they started out as uh, or conceived in another bar in in the town. Um, another one I'll take you to, Mark, the Dylan Bar, little whiskey bar, great venue again, really great venue. So between them, there was some there was the sort of the the lead singer. Um, and she met with some of the guys there, and Mo, this is Moji, and I forget what what industry she was in. She came from Texas. She she wasn't a singer, but uh, I think she wanted to do something different, wanted to change, and song there, and sorry, there's a song there. Yeah, I think. <laughs> and she um, so they formed this sort of hybrid band. So you had some a four piece, a four or five piece band. And you know what? Because we got there early, we saw them doing this sound check, and there was no one else in the bar at the time, so it was quite early beforehand. Amazing, just amazing. You know, she's got a soulful voice, but they do a mixture of a bit of R and B, blues, um, rock. There's a bit of everything going on there, and we were just really taken by that. And then half an hour later, when the gig started, the place had filled up a lot had a really great gig um like so many of them there it's the atmosphere it's all part of being there and um listeners won't be able to see this but i'm just going to share my screen so if i do this i'm actually really excited about november i think it's um it's going to be fantastic just yeah, i'm very jealous very jealous be amazing. Oh, you still can. You still can, Darren. Uh, uh, then we got to be alive. <laughs> okay, I'm stop, I'm stop sharing because that's not quite working the way I wanted. Ah. Didn't, didn't quite work. Oh, your order is. My order is. I didn't quite get the picture. I'll share the picture offline. Um, after the event, we then we were going out one of the other doors and we met the band outside and had a a, cool. a a nice chat there and then we've got photographs with moji um and it was you know it's great when you're i mean a lot of musicians are pretty humble aren't they they're just pleased if people come along and they have a good time yeah so we did that um i suppose the other thing important to say is that you know part of a lot of the sort of the first few years that that crew of, of friends who were there yeah, um, were, were present and, and ready in the photo. And, and again, Cookie, from way back in that 1983 um, charity gig I talked about earlier on, he was there as well. So um, it, it's great when you have these connections with friends over the years, over the decades even, um, yeah. that you get to see. So it, it just cap it captures a, a, a time. I could probably come up with a number of other ones, but I could have done some of the big ones or the star ones, the big names. But sometimes it's sorry, those sort of festivals. It's not about the big names. It's about finding someone you 
you've never heard of before and you they blow your socks off completely agree and and on that i hope they're playing this year as well but i was i was going to choose um <clears throat> pardon me two australian guys as part of my top four i was actually uh, a band i was introduced to by dave chapel at the edinburgh fringe about four or five years ago uh tubular bells for two you said you mentioned them here before yeah 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 Fantastic. absolutely amazing uh I've, I've seen them twice one of the best gigs i've been to they didn't make the top four but um you know what makes a gig so special one is i don't know maybe the the, the uniqueness of it or how much you love the band and how well they play second is the company you're with the yeah, company yeah. really really matters the build up to it what happens afterwards i just remember sitting there that that day thinking for once dave chapel has actually done something right <laughs> <laughs> we love you Dave. but it was abs- absolutely brilliant yeah yeah and then after that was a kate bush tribute yeah you told us about topical. that i think we should yeah, move quite on topical yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> but no no you're right um are, are they playing this year uh, I haven't seen them. Um, uh, Moji. Moji. I doubt it. They're not there every year. It's incredible right. that there seems to be a whole slew of new names come around every year. And sometimes there's the same, the same. Also, there's another four or cool. five bands that are there every year. Um, cool. So there we go. My number three. Darren. Nice one. You're number nice four. Nice one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go for. I think I mentioned this recently. So I'm going to keep it fairly brief, but I didn't actually mention everything about it. So this was, again, it's a gig that I look back at it, I look at it now and I look at the lineup now and it's absolutely outstanding, but I don't think I appreciated enough at the time. We're going back to June 1990 um, and my uncle, Graham, really kindly said to me and my brother and sister, he said, I'm going to take you all to a gig. And they were only, they'd have only been 16 and I was 18. Um, and I said, oh, okay, yeah, all right. And Tears for Fears were playing. I quite liked Tears for Fears at the time. I was a fan of them. I said, oh, I'll go. Um, this is um, a little English village of Nebworth, which I'm sure we all know. 120,000 people watching, and it was Nebworth 90. Um, oh, yeah. I'll run you through the lineup. I mean, it was 10 miles it, away from me, Daz. Is it really? Oh, well, there you go. Were you there in 1990? I wasn't even born. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was actually. It's. It's. I think Queen's last gig ever was at Nebworth. Oh, was it? oh there you go. Yeah, eighty-six. Yep. So we had Cliff Richard and the Shadows, Dire Straits, Elton John, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Mark wow. Knopfler, Paul McCartney, uh, Phil Collins did a solo set, and he was there with Genesis, um, Robert Plant. Status quo, tears for fears, and the headliners, Pink Floyd. Um, the only time I've ever got to see Pink Floyd, and I didn't appreciate it enough. They were good, but I didn't know the songs particularly at the time. Um, it was the um, no Roger Waters in the lineup, but you still had Dave Gilmore, Rick Wright, Nick Mason, and it was the first time that they had Claire Torrey. And she's the iconic vocalist on The Great Gig in the Sky. We were all there, almost scat, isn't it? Like, whoa! So she was, she was over there. The first time she performed live with them since 1973 as wow. well. And now I, I look back and think, wow, that was 
absolutely unbelievable. But back then I thought, oh, this sounds good. <laughs> it's just, I'd love to see it all again. I'd love to see it again. But what a lineup to get all that lot in one day. Why, why was Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, were they not on the same stage at the same time? Or Yeah, do you know, they might have been. I, I meant to Google that earlier. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they were, actually, to be fair. So it's practically led up, right? Yeah, yeah. Half a half a up, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to have seen Dire Straits. Yeah. Love to have seen Dire Straits. I'm a huge fan of Knopfler. Yeah, yeah, Massive yeah. Fan. Well, yeah, obviously they were together as well. I don't know why the list I looked at was separate, but yeah. Unbelievable lineup. And I remember it. I mean, yeah. I certainly remember Genesis. I remember Tears for Fears. I remember Pink Floyd. Uh, Cliff Richard and the Shallows. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I, I have to. I've, I've got. I've got to admit this now. Um, Mum and Dad used to go out, and I used to babysit my brother and sister. And um, there were a few staples that went on to the turntable. Yeah. And the Shadows' greatest hits was actually one of them. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Band. I've, I've got it. I've got it. Have you? Yeah. The Shadows' greatest hits. Yeah, the yellow one. Yeah, and uh, they have the play Heart of Glass and what's it, what's it called? Classic classic gas, classical gas, classical gas. Yeah, it's been years since I listened to it. He's yeah. he's still fighting fit, and he's still he's still doing music. Old Hank, Hank Marvin. Yeah, is he lives in Australia? Nice one. There you go. Good old good old Excellent. Hank. For everybody listening, and you guys. This was released only a couple of years ago. So it's Pink Floyd, live at Nebworth 1990. Oh, cool. Um, and as soon as this oh, came yeah. out, I thought, wow, I can listen to it again. And it was Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, parts one to five, The Great Gig in the Sky, Wish You Were Here, Sorrow, Money, Comfortably Numb, we mentioned earlier, mm. and Run Like Hell. Wish, yeah. wish, you, wish You Were Here is, is my favourite um, Pink Floyd track. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I've just seen as well, David, you'll be interested in this. Jealousy. Guy, Guy Pratt was on bass, guitar and vocals. He joined in 1987. Oh, there you go. There you go. I love the way David sits there so casually and says, yes, he joined in 1997. <laughs> yeah. We all know this. On the, on the 23rd of September at 11am. I wasn't going to show off. <laughs> I was so pleased when that came out of vinyl so I could hear it again. Uh, record store day a few years ago they did the robert plant set was released i think it was the paul mccartney and the quo set so i got those as well yeah that's that's the only thing i've, I've bought without um <laughs> deviating too much that's the only thing i bought on record store day this this year was the um mccartney one two three. Oh yeah 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 had to have it <laughs> now you've nice, got it man. brilliant what? That wasn't a record store day. Was it not? Oh, I bought uh, Beth Orton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah. That was a couple of theirs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, McCartney did have a... He did have a 12-inch single for record store day. No, I bought the one, two, three. Oh, uh, the limited coloured vinyl. Oh, and I'm really quite excited about that. Cool. So still to play the Madman on the on the water as well, Madman across the water. Yeah. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just remember that, just to finish off, that getting out of Nebworth that night. I remember, I always remember my uncle had a job interview the next day. So he was leaving a company he worked for for years and had a job interview. Yeah. Nine o'clock the next morning. Oh, um, no. We didn't get out of Nebworth till probably, I think, five in the morning. It was just chock-a-block. There was, yeah. The cars weren't going anywhere. We lost the car for about an hour because my <laughs> uncle was <laughs> going to remember where he parked. Um, and he said, you must remember. I said, no, nah, I just walked to the gig. <laughs> uh, he managed to make his job interview in the nick of time and he got the job. So it had nice. a happy ending. Happy ending. <laughs> it hasn't, hasn't changed, Daz, because I can't remember who was on a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but apparently it was exactly the same trying to get out. You'd have yeah. thought they'd have learned in... 32 years. Yeah. 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 Y
Wow. Stella. Usendor. Jackson Brown. Sly and Robbie. Aswad. Mahalthini and the Mahal Queens. UB40. Chrissy Hind. Billy Connolly. Michael Paley. Simple Minds. Peter Gabriel. <laughs> Stephen Van Zandt. Meatloaf. Paul and Oates. Oh, Darren's beard is twice the length now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harry <laughs> Enfield. Whitney yeah. Houston. Salt and Pepper. <laughs> Salt and Pepper. I could go on. I could. Is it Comic Dire Relief? Dire Straits, <laughs> excellent. Comic Relief. It's the Nelson Mandela. 50th, oh. 70th birthday tribute. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I did go to this one. What an event. I tell you what, you've, you've almost top trumped Hugh and Cray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're sorry. Right. All those names. I mean, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. That is brilliant. Well, when was that? Well, 70 years. So that was the 11th of June, 1988. Just before he was uh, released. Yeah. It, well, obviously, it was on the, you know, um, you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of years here, earlier, 85 with Live Aid. Mm -hmm. And um, things that, you know, could get to that. Um, you, could, you could do that sort of thing then, couldn't you? You could reach to so many people, so many people. But to be honest, the only reason I was really going was to see Simple Minds. There's a, there's a surprise. There's a surprise. But uh, um, you know, as uh, Jim Kerr, the lead singer of Simple Minds, said, when he agreed to, to do this uh, concert, it was on the basis that he thought everybody would be writing their own song as a tribute to Nelson Mandela. And as it turned out, it was only Simple Minds that actually wrote a song called The Day, Mandela Day. Yeah, remember uh, that. Yeah, so, but, um, I mean, yeah. So, um, but what a great day. I can remember going to, through the turnstiles at Wembley. Brilliant. Uh, it would have been about half past 11, I can, Tell past eleven, you can you can hear Sting going free, free, <coughs> set them free, 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 set them free. It's only half past eleven, and 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 Sting from the police is one of the first on. Unbelievable day. Do, uh, do, do you know when when I'm listening to all of this tonight, I'm thinking, will, will we ever? visit that kind of um, gig again um, when you think of the the wealth of talent that we had in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s is, is it going to come about again? Is, is there going to be another fantastic event like that? And what, what, what 
comes to the fore very, very quickly is live, uh, sorry, Bombay at 84, right? And the, uh, I guess the, the remakes, the iterations of that since then been pretty abysmal. I could, I could not envisage at all a massive gig like the Nelson Mandela concert or Live Aid in this day and age. I just couldn't. There was I an opportunity just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And and it didn't and, and it, it didn't happen apart from a few, you know, great, great bands, but there was an opportunity for the Queen's Jubilee. Exactly. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I sat there thinking what a plethora of talent the UK has or has had over the last uh, 50 years, 60 years with music and they finished off with Diana Ross. What happened to who? The Stones, McCartney, uh, Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey, I could go on, the list goes on, the list goes on, the list goes on. And instead, we had something that was, yeah, it was, it was pretty feeble. I mean, Queen came out at the start, or two members yeah. of Queen came out at the start. And that was pretty much it. Pretty much I think, it. I think, I don't know whether it was, I don't know, maybe what the Queen liked, or maybe what the royal family liked, maybe Prince Charles, I don't know. But, He's uh, a Supremes fan, isn't he? Mm, but, um, yeah, well, whatever. But yeah, <coughs> yeah. I, I kind of get. I, I don't know what what other time. I kind of get the impression they didn't organise it quickly enough because Robbie yeah. William, Robbie Williams would have been there, but he already had a gig on. So the yeah. question is yeah. how, and you know, bands do do plan a long way ahead. I mean, what it might be, of course, is that might be quite a few um, artists had gigs from 2020 which have been postponed yeah, and carried over yeah. and are now happening so it might just be a series of unfortunate events yeah i just i just remember sitting there thinking i mean i'm not a royalist or a monarchist and i'm sure you're it's pretty obvious um but i do like i do like lizzie i think what an amazing woman to have gone Who? through all of, all of elizabeth you mean the queen elizabeth the second yes uh i do mean her um, having having done what she's done for the last seventy years, is is a a, a wonderful achievement. Uh, I think they just could have. When I when I think of rock and roll, pop, when I think of you know music in the in this day and age, the 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 people who are the the countries who lead that are the states, the UK. When it comes to rock music, yeah. pop music, always been at the forefront since the fifties, sixties, and that live gig, yeah, I was I was pretty transfixed by it because I was thinking, well, who's up next? Who's going to blow my socks off? And uh, it, it it fell short. It, it really fell short, which is quite Rod, sad. Rod Stewart singing a song that he oh Jesus, never somebody just before somebody just. Put them away, you know. But, but, but it was like, well, go on and sing a song that the crowd will know. I, yeah, I, I believe that that was the song that was voted for, and um, on the Zoe Ball show, you know, all of the oh, listeners were uh, asked to say what song would you like Rod oh, to sing. Fair. So, 
Um, I know he's got a bit of a hammering, but that's kind of not his fault. He did say, well, the BBC made me see it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look, that's um, too memorable, too good. <laughs> two two yeah. aces you had there. Well, mm. on to you then, Dave. No, no, it's uh, Mr. Hollywood. Right. Oh, sorry, my final, my, my, yeah, my, my final one's got to be it's going to be pretty brief, but um, it's equally <laughs> special. And you talk about um, you, you talk about the gig, but you talk about who it's with. And I've I've mentioned this person before. Um, we we've been out of touch for over twenty years, uh, and we got in touch again, and we went to the gig Stereophonics. That that happened in December, December the eighth last year. The reason why it was so special, obviously the company, but the band themselves uh, and the album they covered, uh, Jeep, Just Enough Education to Perform, was just, uh, yeah, and all of the gigs that I've been going to for all of these years, it was actually bloody brilliant. And uh, I think I think they are, and I know you'll disagree, the best, or the Welsh band, okay, they're equal first with Manic Street Preachers. Yeah, well said. Um, and uh, yeah, I went, went, went with my pal, dear, my BFF, Claire. Such a great night. Caught up after 20 odd years um, on on life, on, on, on everything. And uh, that's why I was in at number four ahead of Queen. Uh, Queen was pretty special it, it, it squeezes that one out it was great to catch up with my other dear dear friend as well um down in birmingham kevin but uh yeah stereophonics goes in at number four just for that very reason because 20 odd years is a very very bloody long time and uh yeah it just everything just went so well that that, that night and the gig and the seats sound in the usher hall is amazing if you get the chance to go to the usher hall go get a gig there if you can i've been to a, I've been um, to a few it it's been good. yeah the, the acoustics there are outstanding really and is. you compare that to um the hydro in glasgow night and day completely night and day you get all this reverberation in the hydro usher hall it's like you're sitting there in front of your your record player with yeah. everything perfectly honed. It's wonderful. Amazing. So short and sweet, that goes in at number four. It, it squeezed out Queen, uh, which was, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah. And it squeezed out Billy Joel, 10th of September, 2016, his first and only time at Wembley Stadium. Okay. Epic as well. And uh, the time we saw him in 2013 in Birmingham, Alan. Yeah, yeah. That was a brilliant gig as well. So that's number four, short and sweet. I just, nice. I just want to thank you guys for introducing. So I've, I've got a few things, a few singles, or they appear on some best ofs of stereophonics. But um, because we talked about them, I forget how long, a couple of months ago, I've been listening to them. And I think that it's like, why didn't I hear them before? I think they're amazing. Good man. So, Good man. Their new album's not bad either. Ucha. That's a new album, mate. Yeah. Came out really? this year. Oh, not heard it. I yeah, yeah. It's not, you, I mean, you, you can't beat 
they're they're classics and, and for me cheap i mean we've had this chat before but mm. it, i i can't see past cheap no love it nice. no kelly jones he's a he's a yeah, he's a, he's a he's a great uh, front front guy. He's a great great musician. Um, I think the difference between them and the Manix is, I think they 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 come from it like they're, they're writing a, a love song. Yeah. Whereas the Manix are more polit political. Yeah, agreed. Um, and. Um, Maybe a little bit more. Maybe there's a little bit more to discover mm -hmm. from the Manix music, um, and that. But so yeah, but um, yeah, they're both great bands, and uh, yeah, there's very different bands actually. Aren't they? Yeah, it, yeah. Dep it depends where you listen to music. Do you do you listen to music as a, a form of escapism? Are you an old romantic? Or do you like something more edgy, political? Everything, everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is yeah. everything. For, for for me, anyway, I I go with the former, to the latter. I I go with yeah. I, I go with some kind of form of escapism, and whether it's love or fantasy or something on the Led Zeppelin level or the it's a and I do, yeah. The Manics are very political, but very, very spot on. But you, you're and, already more informed than I am, Mark. Your, 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 your knowledge and your what you know about the world, and you know, your, 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 your kind of your, you're very. You come over as a a guy who knows nothing, but you're a very intelligent lad, and I know that. And you you know uh, about the history that maybe I wouldn't know in the, in the lyrics that maybe the Mannix come out with. So you'd already know that, but for me, it would be already over my head. So it's something that for me to explore, but you'd already know. I'm going to give you a big kiss after that. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. I appreciate that. I'm all emotional. Oh, oh I mean it, mate. Yeah, you're, you're a very intelligent lad. Cheers, mm. mate. I appreciate it. You taught me all I know, though. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yes. It's my turn. One, yeah. My turn. Who's saying that? Dinah Ross. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave it as a a gig for the future it might be when we're in iceland mark it might be next thing i go to with mark i don't know it might be might be anything but i think there's uh, still so many more gigs to look forward to i'm going to leave leave a, a a blank space there ready to be filled in oh very clever david mm -hmm. oh, simple minds there <laughs> <laughs> that means that means david's got one in front of him but time's knocking on so that's no that's that's poetry, actually. That is that is beautifully that done. Beautifully done. Well done, David. Yeah, nice. And a nice way to end it up. Yeah. Only because end you've up out of time, probably. Yeah. 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 yeah the <laughs> so time. would have probably said Genesis. <laughs> there, there could be a lot. There could be a lot. No, no. Gen generally, 
I think every time you go to a gig, you, I mean, Daz, that Gary Newman we went to a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months yeah. ago, amazing. Yeah, very memorable. Yeah, very absolutely. Memorable. Um, like we said at the start, there could be any number from all of us, couldn't there? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but I think if you if you see a live band, yeah. you're more inclined to go and find out more about them and buy them. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's the main thing going out and supporting live music and and buying buying their their wares you know Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of the bands we've spoken around today they're they're massive bands you know they're, they're world world well-known bands um maybe some not so but the best thing you can do is go out and see a live band and then go and buy their music yeah. They're here. And then it sounds it, different, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And tell everybody how much you you enjoy what you've just heard and and pass it on to somebody else. And that's how it gets around. And that's that's how that's how that's how fans of bands start. Indeed. Indeed. Well we what 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 we've been doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Alan Will said, um, also, now we're just at that point of the show to say that uh, we are now going to go on to indefinite hiatus, going to take a break. Never say never, not quite sure if we might come back again, but um, I'm looking just to take a bit bit more time back. Um, but this has been wonderful. 50 shows that started way back, I don't know when, Daz, was it March or something? February, yeah, March, 2019, was March, it? April, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2020 lockdown. Yeah, a couple of years then. So, yeah. um, that's it for now. And I just want to thank you all for all three of you for just um, making these such a great time to get together and just to share, share music, share stories, share friendship. It's been really good, and obviously a chance for me to meet Mark and Alan, which yeah. wouldn't have happened otherwise. But it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. that's been great. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we might have to do a Christmas special. Who knows? We yeah. we could do. Yeah, when I've got some time or, off, or a July special. <laughs> July. <laughs> yeah. July the first. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Guys, no. going to call it a wrap, shall we? Uh, I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone wants to say anything, they can say it now. Well, the last thing to say, I guess, is thanks to anybody that's actually been listening. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we've had, we've got listeners in many, many countries. We know we've got a hardcore of listeners that listen to every show we do, which is thank you very much for coming. And anyone that hears these in the future, I mean, we're now on. The 23rd of June, 2022. Somebody could be listening to this in 100 years. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All. yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. And a big call out to um, my aunt Irene, who has stuck through this thick and thin. And um, yeah, to, to, to anybody else out there who's, who's having a lesson, but big call out to her. She loves our banter god knows why <laughs> uh i think we should give her we should do a hue and cry we should do uh an episode what? from her living room oh. 
<laughs> we should all head up to the, the world. Yeah. Uh, go, go see Roger at the same time. Go see Roger Standring as well. Yeah. And uh, do, do an episode. I'm sure she would uh, she'd be delighted with that. And yeah. it's a lovely uh, roast as well while while uh, we're um, getting on with things. Live thanks. in the world. Yeah. But no, uh, genuinely fantastic. It's been something that has really helped me over the last two years uh, get through this um <laughs> Are we still Cluster, cl- this 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 crazy crazy time uh i'm so glad when darren and and david reached out to ask me what my top 100 albums were and uh, the ball got rolling after that and then obviously alan i thought no better man to to bring into the fray uh such a knowledgeable guy with music and, and a collection i can only dream of yeah uh, i hope we've entertained in some way but it's been truly a great, great journey with with the three of you. It's been it's been so good, and thanks to you all. Really nice, nice one. Okay, lovely. Thank you, everyone, to to all of the the listeners. I think we all kind of know uh, the the hardcore who are friends to ourselves, but there are names that I see that that uh, appear on the SoundCloud app. It's like. Where where did they find out from about us? You know, yeah. well, not why they listen to us. We obviously understand why they're listening because it's there's so much to be uh, taken from us. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, people in the rank. Yeah, yeah. they're all hostages. Just <laughs> <laughs> like us for it's like waterboarding, you know. We're free. We can go. Cheers. Bye. God bless, guys. All the best. Bye. There we have it. I just wanted to close by saying a really big thank you to uh, Mark Hollywood, Alan Jones and Darren Parr. Uh, They've been great. And especially during lockdown, I can't tell you how great it was to have time to spend together with with those guys. And also finding new friends. Many of you have been in touch with us, which has been fantastic. Uh, reconnected with some older ones, which was also very good. And uh, all good things need to come to a rest, at least for a while. So let's see when we come back again. Wishing you all peace and love. And to close, I will leave the Orchestra Spheres to play us out. They have been the band who have been playing at the beginning and end of uh, Season 3 shows. Do enjoy. Bye-bye.